catch the Talk Like a Pirate Day, 17th of September, you'll find that most um, a whole bunch of radio stations are doing Talk Like a Pirate, which is a bit odd, really, that we'll let our kids dress up as pirates. They look so cute. Oh, have we got a thing up on, can you swap over to the Mac? No joy, well, it'll be there in a moment. We'll let kids dress up as pirates, but actually pirates, where do we get our romantic ideas of pirates from? Oh, I see, hold on, I've got a problem at this end, I think. Ooh, wow. No, it looks like I'm just gonna have to um, uh, wing it. That's a shame. So I'll read out to you a bunch of verses and I'll try and make this interesting, but there are some images not there. We probably get our ideas of pirates from Errol Flynn and Johnny Depp. Yep, these romantic figures. And Morgan was telling me a while back he did some research, and actually the whole period when pirates were at sea, the Hollywood made a very short period of time. Um, in fact, the uh, navies didn't like that kind of stuff, so they clamped down. Real pirates do exist. I had a um, member of my congregation in Bicargill who was a captain of a ship, genuinely a captain of a ship, it wasn't a joke, um, and when his, his freighter sailed near Somalia or um, near Indonesia, they would rig hoses and they would constantly hose the outside of a ship, not because it was wanted it to be clean, because it makes it harder to climb from outside, because pirates are a current risk. Yep. And actually, if you think about a, a freighter, there's not that many crew. They can't be watching all the time, so it's a, a really tricky animal. Real-life pirates, not that much fun. You read of the ships who are kidnapped, and you've, uh, Captain Phillips, anyone watched Captain Phillips? You kind of get the sense of what a terrible thing that must be. And then, if my technology was working now, I'd say, and now there's these pirates, and I had a big picture of Kim.com. Which isn't fair, okay, because he didn't, he didn't pirate anything himself, he just stored it. Maybe. I started thinking about a Pirate Sunday 15 years ago. I was a chaplain at Canterbury University and um, I was talking with a whole bunch of students and we were talking about the movies that had just been released. And one day I said, oh, have you seen it? And they all had. And I thought, oh, that's pretty amazing. It was only released yesterday. I didn't think you had the money for this. Um, but they'd all it had been downloaded on the university hub and they'd all watched a downloaded version. That was 15 years ago when that was kind of new. And at the time I started to think, well, these are Christian people. Um, they don't seem to feel any qualm about this because essentially they've stolen it. Yep. Well, 15 years has passed and it's become more and more and more common. Now, if you're older, you may not be aware of this, but actually, it's there. Now, when I was young, when I was about 10 years old, I stole a magazine from a dairy. Yep, I still feel bad about it, actually. I stole a magazine from the dairy, but I had to go into the dairy, and I had to take it and not be noticed, and there was the risk of being caught and going to jail, that kind of stuff. Now, most of us today wouldn't do that. Okay? I wouldn't do that anymore. But somehow it's different when it's online. Somehow just because you can take it and you think nobody sees, you can do that, and people do. Now, at this stage, I thought, if, if, I, if I have a brave volunteer, I would love to have a volunteer just to sit at this table for the rest of the message. Is there anyone willing to volunteer? 
Thank you, Hamish. It, it won't be embarrassing. What I have for you, um, following with the pirate theme, is bounty bars. Um, what I'd like you to do is to just to sit there with the, they're your bounty bars. They're not ours, they're yours. They're all yours. You can do what... <laughs> it's worth volunteering, wasn't it? <laughs> um, the only thing is, I'd really like you... Um, uh, you can eat some, but I'd really... If, if someone was to come and take any, you're not allowed to stop them. Okay? But they're your bounty bars. <laughs> and yes, I have no idea how this is going to work. If we were to do a, a, a poll of people here, we'd probably find that quite a lot of us were pirates. <laughs> you can't have any! You can't have any! <laughs> Very good. <laughs> the, um, now, I had a clip from Pirates of the Caribbean here, and it, it, it was the clip, the pirate slogan. Can anyone remember what the pirate slogan is from the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie? <laughs> can anyone? Yep. Take what you can, give nothing back. Arr. That's the pirate idea, isn't it? That I take stuff and I give nothing back. This is going to go bad, I can tell. <laughs> and we kind of know that's not quite right. You could probably give him one. <laughs> Few of us would start. Uh, one will do. One will do. One will do. Few of us would steal from a dairy. Not many. Not many. Certainly, none of us here would probably admit to it. And, and genuinely, I'm a bit embarrassed. I still feel bad about stealing from the dairy. Um, it no longer exists, so I can't go back and, and make a repayment. But. Ah, take most students, ever copied a table of data into a paper you wrote? Just cut and paste it. Put a nice graph into a presentation. Created a web page using graphic and sound files you took off other websites. Guess what? You're probably a great student, but you're also a pirate. Because you took those things without permission. Probably. You're probably breaking copyright laws. <laughs> and, and look, I want to say, this makes, to talk about this sounds like a fun sucker thing. You shall not steal, says Exodus 20.15. Yep, and if that's all we say, then we're, there's a point in going, don't do this, but that's only part of it. And I want to acknowledge that the culture has changed, and I don't think it's just a black and white thing anymore. Copyright is about the right to copy. Make sense? It's about ownership. You own those bounty bars. They are genuinely yours. Yep, but already it's been a bit problematic, hasn't it? <laughs> so ownership isn't only about theft, it's also about ownership. What do you do with those things? And what I wanted to suggest, in a world that is very shaped by ownership and desire, we want stuff, I want it now, actually, God's got some things to say. Jesus has some things to say to us about a better way. He puts the pirate cap on. So that's what I want to try and do. And I want to help us, if I can, think Christianly. Okay, for just a little bit, let's try and think Christianly. My goal is not that anybody feels guilty. Okay, that's not my goal. I don't want to do that. But I do want us to think about our behavior. So, 
Let's just do a little check here. Don't raise a hand in case it's embarrassing. Just figure if it's you. Have anybody here ever ripped CDs onto MP3s? Anybody here ever? Yeah. And if you don't understand the technical language, don't worry, we'll get there. Used photos without permission. Run file sharing software. Watched pirated DVDs. Downloaded your favorite TV program. Now, there's an older generation feeling really comfortable at this stage. Taped your favorite LP onto a cassette. Remember that? It was never legal. Okay, it was never legal. Photocopied a large hunk of a book, maybe even an entire book. Showed a movie at a church camp. Did you know that if you hire a DVD, you have permission to play it at your home? But you're not allowed to play it. I particularly like how you're not allowed to play it on an oil rig. <laughs> I haven't had that problem yet, but you're not, you actually don't have permission to play it anywhere, and this church pays a hunk of money each year um, to a, a, an agency to give us rights to play the movies that we play. Yep. Um, run software on your computer that you haven't paid for. Now, probably that's a lot of us. Again, older generation does seem to be linked with technology. If you have done those things, then you are a pirate. Arr a current day pirate because you have taken what you can, give nothing back. Yep, and it doesn't sound so good when it's not Hollywood saying it. So what do we do? Well, when someone approached Jesus in Luke 12, 13, and remember because we've got no screen up, you, if you've got a Bible, you could look it up, Luke 12, verse 13, someone comes up to Jesus to say, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, whom appointed me judge? He kind of said, oh, who made me the judge? Which is a funny question for Jesus, because actually that is a role that he has. And then he went on to say, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. What he's saying is the first thing that I'd like us to have in mind. Be careful of our desire to have something now. We want it now. Because that's why we break rules. That's why we don't pay. Because we want it now. And life, says Jesus, does not um, consist of an abundance of possessions. And then he goes on to tell the parable of the rich man. How does the parable of the rich man go? He accumulates all this stuff and all this stuff and all this stuff. And then what happens? He dies. Reset button, it's all gone. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. And so then at the end of that, he says, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. That's a scary bit, isn't it? Where your treasure is, your heart will be. Be careful of our desire to have something now. In 1 Timothy, Paul writes and says, we took nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. I like that idea. I find it difficult to be that way. There's always something. If I just have this, I'll buy that. Then it's, Timothy writes, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Ooh, that's quite strong, isn't it? Those who want to get rich. Anybody here not want to get rich? Well, I'll get rich 
get rich to give it to other people. It's a funny thing, of the very rich people I know, um, they're clothes that they don't wear easily. Actually, there's responsibility in big riches. There's responsibility in having lots of bounty bars. <laughs> For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Let's be clear, it's not money that's the root of evil. It's the love of money. This has to do with desire. And then Timothy, uh, Paul writes, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And then it goes on to say, you men of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. <laughs> <laughs> he, he has the rights to do anything he likes <laughs> in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie the first one do you remember the pirates are cursed they have this treasure that they've got but nothing will satisfy they have more and more and more. They eat and they don't taste. They, oh my goodness. I, I think we have a revolution in our hands. Uh, do you think they're pirates or are they angels? It's hard to tell. I think we have a revolution on our hands. Can I go back to be careful of our desire to want something now? Thank you so much, Hamish. I'm, I'm very proud of you. Ish. Kind of. A bit. <laughs> One of my questions for us is, what does it say about us that we're not willing to wait? That we have to have it now? What does it say to us that we're quite happy to steal music or films or whatever it is that our temptations are and not wait for them to come out, especially when, if you're willing to wait for the movie to come out, it's going to cost you $5 to watch it on a DVD, maybe 8 at some places. That's not a lot of money. What does it say about ourselves that we're not willing to wait? Because the Bible seems to think there's something that is happening in the waiting time. And it makes me wonder, just a side question, this is partly what is stopping me now. I think, am I worth so little that I'm willing to give up my character for something that's worth just a tiny bit? And so for the record, the Pirates of the Caribbean song that we played at the very start, I did legally buy. And so um, all the images that were going to be appearing in front of you, I managed to get them off open source stuff. There's a question here of what do we really want? And I know in our world we live in an age of FOMO, the fear of missing out. Well, actually, we're always missing out. But that's not the point. You can't have it all. Where would you put it? Nobody has the storage for everything that they want. There's some point to accepting the contentness for what I have now. Okay, so the first thing I wanted to try and help us remember just be careful of our own desire. Too often it leads us to this place where we eat and we are not satisfied. Too often it makes us cut corners. Second thing I would say is, yes, you are God's treasure. When God looks at this earth, 
He sees people as being treasure. And that's why in Deuteronomy 7, 6, he writes, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Parents tend to notice this. What do you value most? What are you going to save if there's a fire? Your kids. And you can kind of see that. I think that's why in the Christian, Jesus' words, we're supposed to love our enemies. But they're our enemies. They're our enemies. And you know how hard it is to, hate, to love your enemies? Hate your enemies, I can do that. Dislike your enemies. And this never becomes clearer than at um, uh, uh, election time. And Jesus' response is to say, no. In fact, if you're slapped in the face by someone, turn the other cheek. And if someone takes your coat, then... Offer them your shirt as well. The sense that they too are a kind of treasure. And I think that's why in the Christian world, there's that line in Matthew saying, if you're offering something at the altar and you remember someone has something against you, go sort that out. Because what matters, it isn't the things. I meant to take a photo, but seeing as I can't show it. Down at New Brighton Mall, someone has painted the best things, or the best stuff in life isn't stuff. It's a good line. God's more interested in another kind of treasure. Okay, so what have we said? Be careful of what you own, what you want. God sees people as treasure. The third thing that I want to say from Scripture is something about where we own, because copyright is about ownership, yes? And we tend to look at it from the point of view of, I don't have, my pockets are empty, I want, I want, I want. But there's something said about ownership. Now, if Hamish was sitting here with his bounty bus, which he isn't, this would be... We've played that one out. Here's what it says. In, in Leviticus 9, verse 11, it says, Do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another. You know, kind of uh, Ten Commandments. But the verses before that say this. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Don't go over your vineyard a second time to pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien." For I am the Lord your God. What's he saying about ownership? He says you've got this stuff, but it's not all for you. In their system, it said there's for people who cannot generate money, for people who are who have nothing, these guys, they can with self-respect go over your field after you've harvested and get enough to live on. Which would suggest if you were running a business. Don't put all of the, or everything in your thing to run the most efficient business ever. Make sure somewhere you're contributing to those who don't have. There is a responsibility in possession as far as God is concerned. And this is the side of ownership and uh, music and movies and things that is actually a little worrying for us. Naomi Klein reckons that copyright is America's largest export. In the world of drugs, uh, did you see that they've doubled the lifespan of invented drugs? How much is enough for us? Where is the point where you have this and yet you're giving some to others? This is part of the other side to the taking bit. In God's world, we owe something to others. 
So it's not just do not steal, but what do you do with what you have? Remember the rich man comes to Jesus, can I follow you? And Jesus looks at him and says, one thing you lack, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. And the man says, yeah, right. There's significance in that you own stuff suggests you have some responsibility. In James, these are the verses we don't like to read. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth is rotted, moths have eaten your clothes, your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Here's the bit I really don't like. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. It's the sense that you have and you employ and you, but are you acting justly for them? So piracy is a bit of a joke for us. It's fun, but actually it's quite close to us, I think. It has to do with our desire, how much we want, but it also has to do with how we deal with what we own. And it's very, very easy for us to blame the owners. It's their fault, but actually translate it into your own life. In 1 John 3, 16, it talks about this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life. He gave his life for us. And then he says, we also should give our lives. We should lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, that's what you hear in most gospel messages. The next verse says, If anybody has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? <coughs> Did you hear that? That cuts against our systems, doesn't it? If anybody has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but in actions and in truth. Okay, take a breath. My goal isn't to make us feel guilty. My goal is just to say our culture is obsessed with us getting stuff. That's our norm. Okay, that's what our TV is telling us all the time in the ads, the newspapers. I want, I want, I want. But Jesus suggests there is a better way where you are a person for others where you are contributing to others. And what might that mean for us? It might mean that wherever we can, we try and back social services. We look to how we can care for the poor. And it's no surprise that Christians are heavily represented in those industries. That we try and build a little bit of generosity into our life. I know of some people who say the best thing you can do is carry a small amount of money in your wallet that just you think it's not for you. So if you find a place of need, you can go, here you are. There's a freeing that comes from giving, recognizing that what you have isn't just for you. What does it mean for us? Well, I really, there are some models that are quite exciting, I think. The Christian musicians who write songs, they don't actually get a lot of money nowadays um, out of um, producing a CD because people don't buy CDs. And they listen on Spotify, and Spotify pays hardly anything. But every time, in theory, every time a church sings a song, they should take record of it and pay a certain amount of money into CCLI. So there are some, uh, a copyright agency, and that money gets passed on. That's quite a good model. It's kind of going, I've written something, here you are, have it, but there's some income coming back. This would be the thing that has kind of changed in my life. 
If you are taking something, ask yourself this question, should I be giving something? Is there a way that you could put a dollar, two dollars, could just put something in so that you're not only a pirate who takes what you want, give nothing back? What does it mean for me? It is quite hard to wait for the movie to come out on DVD. I really wanted to watch Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It was a long wait. And actually, it was okay. <laughs> I waited till it came out on DVD and I paid the five bucks. That's not so hard for character. You can do it. There are sites that give you legitimate free music and um, Noise Trade is the most common one. If you visit that and you like that music and you find a bit that you like, make a donation. Musicians, music writers should get some payment. Think about that in general. If you've, um, in New Brighton, there's a food fridge, free food fridge. You may have taken food from there. We took a loaf of bread from there once. Really, well, we've got a bit extra, we should put something in. If we lived this way, it would be different. As a church, we do this. We run events and we try not to make a profit out of them. The money, we're not for, we hope to be not for loss, though we don't always pull that one off. Um, we try to contribute into the community, grow the community. We seek the public good. What does it mean for New Zealand? Well, it's a question I would ask as you approach election. Please don't only think about what you get. When you do that, you are thinking as a pirate. We who want to follow Jesus are called to something bigger. What is good for others as well? Does anybody know who Bill Gates is? Who's Bill Everybody, uh, if you know Bill, who Bill Gates is, raise your hand. Okay, so Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft, made billions and billions of dollars. It's commonly said that if Bill Gates saw a $100 bill on the ground, it's not worth his uh, time to bend down and pick it up. Yep, and more recently, he's... Uh, be, got into philanthropy, he's now giving, um, giving money to whatever he can because he made so much money he didn't know what to do with it. Anybody know who Linus Torvald is? One, two, yep. At the same stage that Bill Gates was writing Microsoft, there's a character called Linus who, um, with a couple of other people, wrote an operating system, a computer operating system called Linux. Anyone ever heard of Linux? Anybody ever surfed the web? Do you know what the web runs on? Linux. That magical thing they talk about, cloud, I, you know, cloud soft, that cloud that's out there that stores everything. Um, it's not really a cloud, but I can tell you this, it's running on Linux. The difference between Bill Gates and Linus Torvald was that Bill Gates made a lot of money and he fought for control and he, um, and look, he did very well. Um, Linus Torvald went, We've written this operating system. This is really good. Could we get it so that anybody could use it? So it got better and better and better. And so he made Linux open source. There are more copies of Linux in the world than anything else. They're running most of the major systems. If you're running an Apple Mac, guess what it's based on? Linux. He gave it away and made this huge contribution. And we don't know his name, which is a shame, because actually he was more generous than Bill Gates and probably has had more effect. And it wasn't just for him. I'm proud of Bill for changing his mind and looking into philanthropy. But I'm very proud of Linus. 
Here's the thing. The Christian view of living is not about what we take. God has given to us his life and salvation. It's about where we give. And we are each of us called to find the place where your deep gladness, your passions, your desires meet the world's deepest hunger. That's what the Christian calling is. And that calls us beyond being a pirate. So it's fine for us to put on and have a little joke around. And I'm sorry if you found it offensive. The point is we're called to be more than this in a way that we're proud of. And so some questions that are helpful for us, and if I could have the team come up, they are this. Question number one, I want it, but can I wait for it? So think of something that you really want. Can you wait? It often tastes better when you do. Should I wait? That's on the desire side. But then there's another question in here, which is, how can I give and how can I give back? When we answer that question, we are no longer pirates. And to be fair, we live in a world where the vast majority of people are. What I thought we'd do is sing a couple of songs that are about desire and God. Um, there's no rush. Um, we're going to sing Anchor. We're going to sing, about, uh, sing Oceans. Um, somewhere after that, we'll stop the service. Those who are feeling really hot in their pirate outfits can lose the hat or whatever it is. Um, thank you for joining in. What I've been hoping that we will do in these services, remember uh, two weeks ago we talked about Sabbath and rest. Last week we talked about presence with God and stillness. This week we're actually talking about stuff and desire and how we might ride shotgun on that part of us that just wants. Um, I see this as starting conversations. So if you get a chance to talk with someone close to you, compare notes. How's your, how's your uh, checklist doing on um, piracy? Are there any changes you could make so that you're freer and so that you can give back. Oh, it's a lot easier to put that on when there's no hat. Um, can I just check I'm in tune again? Because I'm concerned. If I'm out, it's not badly out. Would you stand with me?